Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Support Wrestle Talk. Give us a subscribe. Hey everybody, I'm John Cena. Hey, it's professional wrestler Colt Boom Boom Cabana. Hey, I'm Double J Jeff here. And this is Rich Swan, Matt Riddle, the King of Rose. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Do it, bro. Support Ollie. Support Luke. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Home of Luke Owen. Whatever Wrestle Talk is, and whoever Luke Owen is, both the Ravens. Nevermore. Wrestle Talk. Hello and welcome to the Wrestle Talk podcast. I am Corporate Chopper, and today I'm joined by El Fakador Laurie Blake. Hello, how's it going, hey, mate? Yeah, yeah, all right, mate. How's it going with you? Mm, yeah, 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 grand. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's going right. Mm-hmm. Big yeah, bit of Christmas in it. Bit of, bit of time yeah. off. Yeah, a little bit, bit of Christmas, a little bit of time off. Bit of watching telly. Bit of eat too much food. Yeah, totally. Oh, also, we should point out by the way, Ollie and Luke are off because you know Christmas. That's why mm. me and Laurie are here. We're filling in. So don't complain too much. I know. I'm sorry. You get more of me and no one wants that. It's fine. Anyway, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about some more uh, stuff in the outro, Christmas and whatnot. And we've got a couple emails. Uh, but for now, let's talk about Raw. Uh, let's talk about uh, Randy Orton potentially murdering yet another person. What the hell, Randy? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about Raw, where an interesting thing happened. Uh, We don't really know whether Randy Orton killed a man or not. Well, a woman in this case, or not. Um, Because it started off earlier in the night where we had an Alexa's Playground segment, which was a nice uh, variation of, you know, a moment of bliss and all that jazz. Mm. Um, And she... Sorry, before before we get into that too deeply, I just just want to point out that there's a bit at the beginning of this segment where she, she appears in the playground. She goes, do you like it? He built it for me. I can't wait till he comes back so I can show him. He built it. He's seen <laughs> he it. built it. What are you saying? <laughs> he knows what it looks like. He's got the blueprints. Yeah, exactly. um, <laughs> it's like, yes, that's the playground I gave you, Alexa. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In fairness, that's exactly what uh, the inf- infantilized version of Alexa would do. That's what kids do. Look at this mm. thing that you got me. Yes, I know. I got mm, it for I, you. I picked um, it. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, she invites Randy Orton down to the ring, but he doesn't come out. Uh, after a few attempts of that, uh, she uh, uh, it cuts to the Titantron. It's a Firefly Funhouse segment. I was like, oh, is Bray just going to be back in the Funhouse? No, it's Randy Orton. He comes out in the Funhouse instead. I always hate the fact that other people get to visit the Funhouse, but sure, whatever. Enough people have done it now. Where yeah, is he? Comes in. That's what I- <laughs> 
somewhere backstage i don't know um yes uh but he comes in and he just starts beating up all the dolls he just kicks huskus in the face all the while cutting a promo on alexa and the fiend uh rips off rambling rabbit's head and you know throws throws mercy the buzzard into abby the witch and all that jazz um and then uh alexa starts breaking down and just being like can't do this stop hurting all my friends uh, and she invites him she says i want to challenge you in the ring later tonight and i was like does she mean a match mm. we're gonna have alexa bliss versus randy orton later on tonight sure uh but it came to the main event segment as it were um where we had alexa coming down she brings out randy orton and uh, immediately i saw that alexa had a, a microphone on i was like oh no she's not wrestling um never mind uh but she came out It'd be and really she... hard to call spots of that on wouldn't it <laughs> it'd be like being john cena in regular times yeah exactly yeah we get to we get to uh, get to experience it just like we used to back in the day um but uh yeah alexa goes out the ring grabs a present that's out there unwraps the present and it's gasoline and matches and she takes the gasoline and the matches she hands them to randy places them at her feet and she says i want you to burn me like you burned him and she lies down in the ring and waits and after he doesn't do it she grabs the the gasoline and pours some around her in a little spot and even draws a line up to randy and then sits in it and nothing's happening and randy's not doing it she gets up again and says why aren't you burning me come on randy do your thing uh and then uh essentially she just calls randy a little bitch she just goes as as we all know in wwe land the word bitch the ultimate insult, as it were. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, of course, it's Randy the C word of WWE. Exactly. That's what it is. Yeah, you're just no. a little bitch. <gasps> no. Um, so, yeah, so Randy uh, then uh, says back and he says that, do you really think that I wouldn't do it? I'm sick. I'm twisted. I'm Randy Orton. I'm a snake. Uh, all the things that he normally says. And uh, as he's going to do it, the lights then cut out after Alexa takes the gasoline and pours it over her head, which was a cool visual, I'll say. Um, but then, yeah, the, the lights begin to cut out as if the fiend's coming out. And in the darkness, we just see a lit match and Randy Orton holding it. And the commentator's going, no, Randy, don't do it. Don't kill yet another person. And then the show ends. Mm. Show just ended with that shot. Tune into Raw Talk. With Charlie Caruso and our truth, where and no towering inferno in the background, no yeah. inferno in the background, no <laughs> one's there. The ring's all clear. We're not even going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Angel Gaza instead. I, mm. I, it's weird, I don't know, it? man. I mean, it's weird. Like I, th- I think the thing, like I like, I didn't particularly like the end of TLC. Like I didn't mm-hmm. think, like I didn't think the match, the inferno match, was all that it was cracked up to be. I thought the the end visual is very cool and quite a cool idea. And like, if it leads to some new form of the fiend appearing that has a really cool story behind it, then yeah, I'm, I'm all, I'm all on board for that, that happening. It just feels like a lot of this storytelling that they're doing in lead up to that match. And now is being made for promo packages. Like it mm-hmm. feels like we're just doing visuals because we can, um, that don't necessarily have to happen. I, I think it's a far cry from um, like the lead up to the John Cena match where you had like that brilliant bit where 
Bray could appear right behind him and then the Fiend could appear while Bray was still in the ring and looking down and the puppets and stuff. And then you could have the Firefly Funhouse match, which was obviously like had to be filmed to be the way it was. And obviously the, the not having a crowd there gives you the benefit of the doubt with that stuff. But here it just feels like it's all kind of, it's not even being filmed just because it it, it should be. That's the, that's the only way to make it. It's being filmed to then be like, well, these are cool visuals that can go in a promo package later. Like even the Alexa Bliss stuff, they replayed a promo package on the show of Alexa Bliss's playground from two weeks ago or last week where she's was joking about the fiend burning to death and she made all those little barbs. And it worked much better in the promo package because they then intercut to like flames and mm-hmm. then they cut to another shot of him burning and all that kind of stuff. Like, But when, when it came out last week, it fell flat for me because it didn't have those punctuation points. It just felt very drawn out and cheesy. And I, you know, some of that carried over into this week's version where she was doing that. And then Randy comes in and bumbles about the, like his promo in the fun house was not good. Like it wasn't (laughs) like he was talking before he appeared on the set. So he was too far away from the microphone for the first bit of it. He sort of bumbled about muttering fun house and then knocking stuff over. Like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm in complete agreement with you as well that like people shouldn't be able to go there unless something dramatic happens. It shouldn't just be a place <laughs> that yeah. people could just walk into. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, the sort of did he burn Alexa Bliss alive question doesn't work. Like you said in your review today, like it doesn't work because the continuity of WWE isn't just raw. Mm-hmm. WWE have made it so that their continuity runs across social media, runs across raw talk, runs across all of this stuff. So, like, if Randy Orton burned Alexa Bliss alive in the ring, there should be a tweet about that. Like, the same as if someone gets injured in a match. Like, you can't really do a cliffhanger in a world in which the news cycle ramps up. It's not episodic TV anymore. It's a constantly living world that they've created and this is just a thing that's happening so like either play it out on tv now or i don't know like have it, have it, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know like i don't know what i don't know what the solution is here like yeah and i said like it, i agree it's got all those cool visuals of like alexa covering herself in gasoline i thought she acted it really well um that randy orton holding the match that's gonna pop up in promo packages for about six years now we know these things but one, why is he walking around bragging about having killed a man? First of all, first of all, because if the Firefly Funhouse is a place you could just walk to, Bray's definitely a bloke. Like he's just, we haven't seen Bray either. So he's definitely killed a bloke at some point. Um, and, and we've got we've got the evidence to, he's banged to rights, Pete. He's banged to rights. He's made his own confession tape. And now, yeah, like, is he going to burn Alexa Bliss? Who's... who's uh, what yeah like she's, like a, she's she's been corrupted by the fiend herself so she's like almost an innocent to some degree here mm-hmm. like you know yeah she's been falling an exorcism <laughs> i don't know yeah this whole thing is absolutely baffling I, I yeah i wasn't a huge fan of the cliffhanger ring i've seen a lot of people being like oh gotta tune into raw next week to see what happens and it's like well you're not gonna see the culmination of what that angle was the angle was built up and will never be followed up on because you 
can't because like you said because of the continuity because of the timeline it follows the same timeline as ours so it's not like we're going to kick off next week's raw with randy holding the match and alexa soaked in gasoline although i'd love it if they did and just pretended that we were just starting off and they've been here for a week (laughs) it's a really long match (laughs) um like yeah and for me this is that thing like you know this this feels like so all those reports came out just before TLC that WWE were going to lurch towards more adult content because that's what their broadcasters wanted in an attempt to try and win back viewers. And this feels like such an obvious grope for that. Um, and yeah, I, like I don't, I, I really, really don't mind that kind of story being told. Um, and like, I, I do think Alexa Bliss kind of daring Randy Orton, but have a conclusion on your show because it just doesn't it, like leaving it a cliffhanger. WWE always feels like it's striving to make you watch next week's show rather than watch this week's one. And um, I think kind of the point like I was trying to make on the on the Dynamite uh, review with Luke was that nothing nothing consequential happened on that show. And people were like, well, it's the holidays, blah, 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 blah. It's like, yeah, it's the holidays. So you should be doing more to make me want to watch this show because... Do you know BBC One's got Kung Fu Panda on it, and I'm kind of tempted. I'm kind of tempted, um, and I, I think that's the like you know the holidays is when TV's actually at it's like most jam packed, and you're really fighting for space amongst a lot of stuff, and also just people spending time with their families. So like, if you're gonna make a show, do something more, and like yeah, yeah, advance storylines, and I think that applied more to Dynamite and like than this because this obviously did advance the storyline but i want to see a conclusion that makes sense in the world that you've set up and the world you've set up involves things like you know table for three etc <laughs> you know so if people exist outside of wrestling we need to know what the conclusion to this is ideally tonight or last night because waiting a week with no news seems weird yes exactly and the fact that the Thunderdome itself will be used before next week's Raw. We've got SmackDown coming on Friday. They were using Raw talk mm. immediately after the show. It's not like you, you, you're you left in suspense when you're like, well, what's happening in the Thunderdome? We don't know because you know immediately after Raw what's happening in the Thunderdome because Raw talk's right there. They don't put anything else on the social media. in the Thunderdome should have been watching it. <laughs> yeah. 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 God, this makes no sense. Let's do it. Anyway... Yeah. We can go around in circles around this for ages, but basically it was a bit dumb. Uh, we, we, it was it was well acted, like you said, from Alexa. The visuals were kind of cool, but there's no substance. There's no payoff to the story. It's all well and good having the build-up be great, but not having a payoff at all, not even a bad payoff, just not having a payoff completely undermines the work you did in building the story to that point. So I thought it was kind of underwhelming. <laughs> I don't know if Bray's going to come back next week. There was a hint that Alexa said that The Fiend would come back next week on Legends Night, mm. um, which is next week. To attack uh, Hulk Hogan, from the sounds of it, or to yeah. just hang out with him. Do you think, do you think, okay, do you think Randy's going to do it? Is he going to burn Alexa? Or has he already done it? Yeah. Well, he hasn't already done it. I'm fairly certain that he hasn't already done it. But I think he'll try. He'll actively like right. he'll he'll throw a match or something. There'll be an act of him at actively attempting to do it, and he'll fail. Like and the fiend he'll try catches to just, it. Yeah, like that. Yeah, the fiend will catch it midair, or he'll go to burn Alexa, and the fiend walks out where Alexa was. Something like that, mm. where it will be like, oh, it didn't burn Alexa. The fiend's back. Something like that. Um, do you think the Alexa bun- the Alexa shaped bundle of rags wasn't ready in time for Raw? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, they had to delay it in time. They're like, okay, go go ahead and burn her, Randy. Drop the match. He's like. But we haven't got the we haven't got the stuff. We haven't got 
Do it next week. Just do it. End the show. Just do the mm. do the thing next week. When we got the bundles. <laughs>
you have to be in a mind that's it's a mind palace that you know because otherwise it's a you know it's it's a room with people actually operating puppets in it um and with people filming it for bray yes which makes makes the fantasy fall apart in the same way that you know kind of having a show directly after raw in which they talk about what happened on raw like it's a sports program makes the fantasy of alexa bliss being burned alive fall apart mm-hmm. yeah totally 100 percent uh, got another one here from Jonathan Hedman, uh, who says, easy answer, raw talk in a different location. Acknowledge that you're trying to find out. And if we don't tune into, uh, and if we don't tune into WWE.com for updates, that would fix one part of it. Totally. If you have raw talk in another location, I would say it would still, depending how they did it on raw talk, because I could totally see them tuning into raw talk and being like, wow, what a raw. Am I right guys? <laughs> what a crazy episode. This is going to be a great episode of Raw Talk. Like you said, if they have to actively acknowledge and be like, uh, we don't know what mm. just happened, everyone. Uh, sit tight, please. I'm sorry. We're going to try and find out information. That could work. Uh, I still feel like it would be a bit weird. I think people would be expecting news to come on that Raw Talk. And if it didn't, they'd feel a bit, I don't know, cheated out of something, of a payoff. But yeah, yeah. Mm. But it's, I mean, this is where the, this is where that kind of weird smushing of kayfabe and shoot comes in now yeah. that we you know we're now behind the curtain but not all the way behind the curtain and like most tv shows have a talk show that follows them like walking dead had talking dead or whatever you know where they discuss that week's episode for an hour that is a very normal tv trope that people understand but wwe does it as if it's the characters from the tv show it's like if talking dead had the zombies turn up yes and start chatting like Instead, it's the cast and the crew and other people discussing their love for the TV show. And I think that's the, probably the way to take something like a Raw talk because then it doesn't impinge on your ability to tell the stories that you're trying to tell in the wrestling. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just as a general rule about WWE continuity, I really wish it was treated like these were actors who were acting as characters on the ring in the ring rather than trying to maintain the sense of kayfabe, which hasn't existed for years at this point and trying to have the actors who are the wrestlers mm-hmm. try and be the wrestlers. I'd much rather they were just themselves, the the person that acted mm. a character in the ring. And then you can have them talking about, you know, I you know, I botched this move. I, did, I wasn't a fan of this match or, you know, whatever. Just talk about behind the scenes stuff that actors do about their movies. They can go on tour with someone that they're in a feud with and chat about the feud that they're having as part of like a, a you know a, a press tour kind of thing you know like actors do for movies it uh, yeah I, I don't know why we're not there yet but hey well, it's kind of it's kind of hold on and it but and yeah and that's fine if you want to hold on that's fine but get everyone to do it across the board like that's mm. the, i think that's the and obviously like that's the difficulty with social media is you can't police people have to self-police so you get people like bray who won't break character necessarily on social media um for for much uh and you get people that break character all the time on social media so you mean you always get this kind of constant two sides of every story and people flip-flopping between being heels on tv and faces on their social media and yeah it does create a confusing environment because wwe is telling you that all of this is important for the story because sometimes the story happens on social media so you also follow the social media storylines like if goldberg's tweeting about roman reigns that leads to a feud with roman reigns so Paying attention to what Goldberg says is important, but Goldberg might also say it's all a lie one of these days. And should we should we take that as part of the mm-hmm. kind of? It's difficult. I mean, I'm sure people have written theses on this uh, 
for for university yeah. it'd be quite interesting to look into in greater detail but Certainly. yeah it just doesn't work for things like setting someone on fire and trying to have a cliffhanger ending like you've got to resolve you've got to be a sitcom about it and resolve it all in one episode exactly yeah um i will say it's just a quick comment i've seen in the chat from uh fight game russ that says that sounds lame i prefer the characters who wouldn't have those good promos like Miz or Heyman. then you would if you put them on your tv show is all i say just let them do those promos, those really good promos that they've done on Talking Smack and Raw Talk and all the, the great stuff that they do. And actually have your characters be great characters on TV. Problem solved. That's what I'd say. Anyway. Um, they've also got fake interview shows in their show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they've got fake ones true. in Raw and SmackDown. That's also true. Let's talk about uh, the rest of the show, uh, which started off with uh, Drew McIntyre coming out following on from the six-man tag match from last week where Sheamus Bro kicked Keith Lee after the match, not during, very important distinction, um, and uh, came out and in a, in a nice touch said, it's Monday, you know what that means, which is a very fitting uh, uh, tribute to Brody Lee which is very nice. Both uh, Tom Phillips and Drew McIntyre said that uh, in at the start of the show as well. Uh, both Seamus and Keith Lee managed to come out and say their piece about being number one contender because Keith Lee and Seamus were scheduled to have a number one contenders match shortly after. Um, they started to get a little bit heated and then Drew said, fine, let's get a referee out. Set your differences now. Let's just have the match now. Let's get it over and done with. Immediately, Seamus then broke kicks Keith Lee twice <laughs> just mm -hmm. the match starts Joe, that was quite cool i thought that was a, a nice little touch from Seamus. there's like a throwback to the last weeks when he did it and also just doing it twice just to assert dominance because he can i thought was was really good um yeah so it was I a nice, got nice interesting dynamic up. these three guys yeah i think these guys mm. have a really great little dynamic i like i mean there was one line i wasn't massively keen on was when drew sort of like he went i've been champion for a long time i open my mouth and people interrupt when seamus interrupted him and like tried to apologize it was like yeah don't point out the obvious flaws in the way mm -hmm. wwe like copy pastes all of their championship stuff but i like the idea that you know seamus and drew are obviously very old friends and have a real like history together and a story that they're telling. And like this notion that he says, like, you know, we've been talking about this for 15 years. I want that match. Nobody brings a physical game like we we do. They're worried in the back about us having this match, blah, blah, blah. And then Keith coming out and completely playing on that and saying, like, you know, like, Drew, your words about as good as Seamus's is, right? You know, because you let him bro kick me. You're not telling mm -hmm. him off. You're not stopping him. You kind of look proud of him for doing this thing. Keith Lee also is a fantastic but the cadence of the way he talks just adds drama to every single word he says like drew and Seamus are just talking like chums and like normal normal friends and then keith lee comes out with this kind of pomp and circumstance and this uh like a real orator he, he really holds himself like like someone to be listened to i thought it was amazing um and yeah, really hot start. And then the match, the match was quite fun. Like it was all Seamus working over Keith Lee's arm, really. Um, I love the ending when Seamus mm. is like, I'm gonna headbutt you. And Keith Lee's like, mm -hmm. you don't want to headbutt me. <laughs> <laughs> headbutt, headbutt, grizzly magnum, spirit bomb for the finish. That was mm -hmm. really, really fun. Yes, I agree wholeheartedly. Uh yeah, so yeah, so we're getting Keith Lee versus Drew McIntyre next week for Legends Night. Um and it's all tied up in something though, isn't it, Pete? It's all tied up in 
seemingly another storyline. Uh, I don't yeah. think Keith Lee is going to win the WWE Championship, unfortunately, because uh, another thing that happened on the show was that Miz got his money in the bank briefcase back, didn't he? He had a <sighs> he had a match against Grand Metalik, and he lost because he was too busy thinking about his briefcase. He gets rolled up. Um, Metalik obviously looked great because he's he is fantastic. Um, and then later in the show, Adam Pearce appears and goes, "Here's the thing." Here's the briefcase because we decided that Morrison actually can't cash it in for you. And then they danced around. And then that that is now looming large over Keith Lee, Keith Lee's match with Drew McIntyre, which I don't know, just I think it's meant it's meant to be a sweetener, isn't it? It's meant to be it's this is meant to be kind of a threat dangling that makes that match have more intrigue. And actually, to me, it just it's added a level of disappointment to a match that I was quite excited for because I don't like I like The Miz. I think he's great. I just don't think he's the WWE champion that we want right now. And what I felt like we actually all dodged a bullet slightly when he failed the cash-in at TLC. Um, I feel yeah. like we sort of swept a lot of stuff out of the way, ready for another year of doing it this year, where we, you know, we might get a better go of the Money in the Bank briefcase on the men's side of things. So, yeah, it's, yeah. A, bit, it's a bit of a shame that that's kind of come back around. Yeah, from the fact that it was done on a proper technicality, something as serious as a money in the bank cash-in, you know, something that's quite prestigious, has a lot of weight behind it. And for them to just be like, oh, actually, the wrong person did it. So here you go, just in a backstage segment, no no pomp and circumstance whatsoever of just being like, well, here's your thing back, I guess. You know, that prop that you used to have, whatever, here you go. And... Yeah, like you said, to me, that's actually detracted away from my excitement for next week's title match because I'm kind of under the impression that Miz is probably going to try and cash in again next week. Whether he'll succeed or not is another question, but I'm pretty certain that whoever wins, or maybe during the match, Miz is going to come out and try and cash in once again. So Mm. whoever wins, I'm not really buying it because I think Miz is probably going to come out. And they might prove me wrong. They might just, you know, Keith Lee might just win. That might just happen. Keith Lee just wins. Miz doesn't cash in. Everybody's happy. I don't know. I mean, if you, I want to put someone over, if you want to put someone over big time, what you do is you have him go up against Drew McIntyre. You have Sheamus interfere because he's annoyed that Keith won the match this week. You have Miz try and cash in and Keith Lee still wins the championship. That's a way to make someone look really good, obviously at the cost of three guys. But um, yeah, I, ju- I just think it's, it's this is one complication too far. And the money in the bank briefcase, like you said, it should be it should be given to somebody who feels like a legitimate threat or like they're going to be really sneaky with it. And I just think Miz, like, you know, it's not quite Seth Rollins having the briefcase when Miz has it, especially when he's like dancing down the stairs and having a laugh and it's all a bit of a joke. Like you want it to feel like it's it is the prize that it should be. It really is probably the most powerful prop that WWE has. And I think they've wasted it this year, frankly. Yeah. And the thing with Miz as well is I'm not even really buying into him as a money in the bank briefcase holder or thinking that he can get one up and gain the championship because he already tried and already failed. So it's Mm -hmm. not like he's not even that smart in WWE kayfabe. He's already kind of wasted his opportunity to try and use the briefcase in a a convincing way. So now when he's got it this time, I'm like, well, he's probably just going to do the same again. Right. Or they're just going to, you know, retroactively try and make it seem like he's this big deal who just lost a Grand Metalik earlier in the night. I don't know. He doesn't... Right now, like you said earlier, I love The Miz. Right Mm -hmm. now, he's not WWE Championship material. No, and and I think also, like, WWE should be looking at the wider conversation going on around 
the Miz and the WWE Championship and the Money in the Bank briefcase. And like all those reports that came out a couple of weeks ago that people were pitching ideas for how Miz could cash in the briefcase and win the WWE Championship and no one had come up with anything good. Those were the headlines like a couple of weeks ago. It's stupid if those if that's what everyone's been talking about within the wrestling bubble to then turn around two weeks later after having done the cash in, have it fail and go, oh, actually, Miz is going to do it. And this is the way we've chosen to do it on a technicality and then something else like it, it just feels kind of tone deaf to 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 what people were talking about and the way I think a lot of people reacted and like maybe like WWE does love to piss people off with its choices so maybe that's it maybe they've just doubled down because that of the reaction to people hearing that stuff about Miz but yeah I can't say it's made me excited particularly for the match next week because it feels like a foregone conclusion it definitely feels like the lowest smallest percentage will be Keith Lee wins the WWE Championship which is you know kind of thing that I want it feels like even the smaller percentage uh, sorry an only slightly bigger percentage than that is that the match will just go on with no interruption from anyone <laughs> Keith Lee and Drew McIntyre would just get to have a match. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought it's a shame because that I think the opening segment of Raw was so hot between these three mm. guys and they've got great chemistry. And I do want to see that kind of... I don't mind if the match falls apart next week because of Sheamus and that leads to a triple threat because that's a really fun triple threat. And, like, you get that kind of push-me-pull-you of where will Drew side during the match when they inevitably it falls into a two-on-one kind of pattern. Is he going to resist the temptation to work with Sheamus to beat up Keith Lee for as long as possible? And then he finally does. And Keith Lee's like, I was right. I was right all along. You are just working with Sheamus. You are just happy that you're kind of locking me out of the WWE Championship mm-hmm. picture. There's lots to do in that. It just doesn't involve Miz in a briefcase. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Everything was so much less complicated when Miz didn't have the briefcase. Mm. Um, but yes, elsewhere on the show, we had uh, a couple of backstage segments with uh, Elias and Jackson Riker. They got interrupted by AJ Styles and Omos, um, who said he wanted to listen to Mozart. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't because Elias was playing his guitar. So then AJ Styles and Elias had a match. Um, I mean, as as in-ring Elias matches go, I thought this was pretty good. Um you know, I've I've not seen a lot of Elias's in-ring work before. It's not been that impressive. I thought he looked good in this match. It was some solid stuff. It just didn't work for me because it was a weird heel versus heel dynamic. Um, mm. I don't know who I'm supposed to be rooting for. No one really worked heel or face in this match. They were both just kind of there. Um, and they got a lot of time as well in this match. Way more time than I would have given it personally. And mm. AJ then just won clean with a phenomenal forearm and then that was that so i was like well why did any of this happen are they engaging in a feud is one of them turning face what's happening are they just are they just building up to Riker versus omos like that felt like might that might be more what they're trying to set up here is that kind of like it's the muscle that will eventually face off against each other rather than elias aj i think aj managed to drag a pretty good match out of elias like i don't i don't think elias is he's slow and i don't that doesn't that ring style doesn't really suit me. Like I liked his little old school Meteora setup that he did. That was quite good. AJ, I think, is a great storyteller and a great seller, and just adds drama to his matches. Like he's he is one of the best in the world at the moment still. Um, so yeah, like I always like watching AJ matches, but yeah, I, I'm not <laughs> I'm not 
my breath isn't being taken away by AJ's current run on Raw. Um, like I think Ollie and Luke were saying before, we sort of jumped into the TLC match. Like AJ was kind of, he's kind of a joke character at the moment, um, which is a shame because I think, you know, him and Omos could be very high on the card as a very serious act because of Omos as a, as an enforcer character is so imposing you really could tell the story of like, and AJ's so gifted in the ring in the first place. Like he's got all of the cards and they're instead having him be like, he was listening to Mozart. How silly. It's a shame, but AJ, you still get to see AJ matches. So, you know, can't complain too hard because I yeah. do really like AJ Styles. Exactly. And at least he gets to wrestle properly as well. That's a mm-hmm. good thing about AJ. Um, yeah, I, that whole match was pretty confusing. Uh, but then after that, we got Ricochet versus Mustafa Ali and the continued story of they beat up Ricochet until he joins Retribution. Uh, I know we've spoken about Retribution in 2020 on this podcast way too much, but I do just want to point out I laughed because I hadn't heard it in quite some time when Mustafa Ali was making his entrance and the commentator said, here you can see accompanied by T-Bar, Mace Reckoning and Slapjack laughed because i hadn't heard those names in a little bit and, and that's why they oh, always man, know want, so and, that's why, and that's why they also want ricochet in their team because he can also be used as a verb uh yes. i think that's yeah i so i think a lot of people I've, I've seen a lot of people being kind of down on this on twitter as like a waste of ricochet because obviously he keeps losing and he spent most of 2020 losing and yeah there's also that argument of like why does retribution want him so badly he he's he's had a terrible 2020 this guy like he's lost everything and he keeps losing to all of them so like why do they need to sign him up and like i think the argument to be made isn't that they're wasting ricochet with this because actually they're using five people to put over ricochet currently and like ricochet i think looked good in this match um very good especially at that point where he took out all of them with all the tornado ddts uh and stuff on the outside and then yeah sure He took too long trying to get back to Mustafa Ali after doing that, and that gave Mustafa Ali the opening to win the match. That's all fine. That all tells a perfectly good babyface versus a lot of heels story. It's retribution they're wasting in this scenario because they're using five guys to try to recruit one loser who spent 2020 losing all the time and floating around in the mid-card doing absolutely nothing and Retribution came in with the lofty goal of tearing down the entire thing from the inside while having jobs or whatever it was the story was. But like they had a really lofty goal coming into uh, WWE this year, and immediately they've become just a recruitment driver. Like yes. you know, you know what I mean. Like it, they should be. What, what what's their actual goal here? Like why are they wasting their time trying to get Ricochet? Like yeah. It's weird because it, that, I think that's where the wasting is happening here. Like Ricochet is actually looking really good in this feud. And I'm interested in it because Mustafa Ali and Ricochet are both incredibly gifted in the ring. And also I think Ricochet, I think like Ricochet versus T-Bar will be an amazing match because Dijak is awesome. Like there, there's a lot of good stuff to, to be fair. Like, um, I, I mean, this is how bad it is. Slapjack. How, what's his, what was his original name? I can't remember. Shane Thorne. Shane Thorne, that was it. I've forgotten because Slapjack's so bad. But like Shane Thorne versus Ricochet could be a really like a really good match when given time. There's potential in this storyline. It's just wasting retribution because they should have just been 
overpushed at the beginning. They should have been given the really big, like especially when the gimmick's so goofy in the first place. They should have been given a lot to try and just get it over as hard as possible. And instead, they've just immediately gone to a mid card act. Yeah, it's it's such a shame. Also, there was one bit in this match where Ricochet looked like he was going to win, uh, and then Mace dragged Mustafa Ali out of the ring. DQ. How is that not a DQ? Mm. Like, I I think WWE's logic is that it's not attacking the the other oh, member oh, of the team, yeah. right? That that's the line is like causing them physical harm. Right is is the line of the DQ. A DQ to me is you're interfering in a singles match. You are mm. actively affecting the result. If if that isn't a DQ, if Mace pulling Ali out of the ring isn't a DQ, why doesn't he always, every single time, break up every single pin that is on Ali? If he's next yeah. to the rope, why doesn't he grab his leg and put it on the ropes? You've got four not- people. Put one each side. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> never get pinned unless it's dead center in the ring and they can't reach you from the outside but it makes no sense um well also because it doesn't like it if if the logic is that uh, it's because mace is in retribution mm-hmm. and ali is the leader of retribution mm-hmm. that you know so they're friends so if he touches ali that's not cause for a dq but then that discounts things like heel turns and mm-hmm. As if the as if all the the referees are uh, precognitives and they can uh, <laughs> they know the intent behind every move that everyone does. So that's a, no, that's a friendly pull out of the ring, and not I'm going to pull you out and beat you up. So I'm not going to chuck it out. I'm not going to chuck it out. It's their friends. We've decided so they're friends. If Mace pulled Ricochet out the ring instead of Ali, that would have been a DQ. Yeah, but probably, because he yeah. pulled Ali, not a DQ. Exactly. I think, and I think that's the line they're drawing here. It's because they're friends. It's fine. Which yeah, makes no sense. As you've seen from Kevin in the chat, you're fighting a battle that you're already lost. <laughs> you're quite right, Kevin. Don't try you're and understand. Quite right. Don't don't just let them get on with it. Like the the rules of wrestling this year have gone out the window. But yeah, yeah. I I actually think this is re- I actually think this stuff's good. Like this is I think this is some of the best stuff that Retribution have had to do. It makes like I said little sense that five guys would be looking to hire Ricochet, but at least them working on Ricochet is leading to some really good stuff and it's giving Ricochet something to do. Yeah, he lost here. But hopefully there's going to be a point at which it's at least a good foundation for which Ricochet can be built again because he mm-hmm. needs building. God bless him. Yeah. Uh, and and this is a really good point for him to start to get that growth. And I think him saying, I'm not going to join with his Simon Cowellism of like, you're not <laughs> not going to judge his hand. Uh, like, that that build here gave him the pl- like plenty of opportunity to like, and him hitting a recall and running off. It gives a good foundation for a, one a really good little Mustafa Ali Ricochet feud, but also hopefully a chance for Ricochet to get a win in the books and be built from there. Because yeah, I think like a lot of people were saying on Twitter, like how could you mess up Ricochet? He's a superhero. He's so easy to get over with kids. Like he can do everything. Yeah. Like it's unbelievable that they've managed to make nothing of him this year. Um, and this could be the way to do it. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, one thing we did miss earlier, apologies, I skipped forward in my notes, uh, was Dana Brooke with Mandy Rose faced Shayna Baszler. Shayna beat him up! Uh, there was one bit where I genuinely thought that Dana Brooke was going to win. There was a bit where uh, Shayna was attacking Mandy on the outside, I think. Dana Brooke came back in, uh, hit this like uh, twisting neckbreaker, and I was like, no mm-hmm. way is Dana Brooke going to beat Shayna right now. And I, I bought the near fall, bought it, hook, line, and sinker. Uh, but then Shayna, <laughs> Shayna came back, beat up Mandy Rose, beat up Dana Brooke, and then beat up Mandy Rose again. And then she's the tool. Give me Care more of that. for you. Care yeah. food for you, yeah. Yeah, give me more of uh, dominant Shayna, please. Love that. Please um, take us back to please take us back to Shayna Baszler coming into the elimination chamber. Shayna Baszler, the Baszler that we need. Like, mm-hmm. never, even, never mind her. Like, like even I don't understand where her gumption's gone. Like, you know, like she came in with this. I'm going to win the championship. Didn't win the championship, and then suddenly, like all of the impetus drained out of her for her entire WWE run. She's now letting Nia do the resolutions and just being like number one. Number, Number one. two, it's like, you're the good one, Baszler. You're the really good one. Like, oh, man. Do you remember yeah. when you beat five people on your own in the elimination chain? Like, ugh, stupid WWE. What a waste. Anywho. Um, yeah, so then later on, we had uh, Nijax and Shayna backstage. They both look like they're entering the Women's Royal Rumble because they have to, because they don't have enough women for that. <laughs> All of them have to. <sighs> yeah. Um, and then we had um, Nia Jax versus Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Um, I always hate it when they do this. Weird pacing on it. Charlotte and Asuka make their entrance. Then we get a recap of uh, Lee and Sheamus from earlier. And then there's a backstage promo with Drew McIntyre. And then we get the match. It's like, well, what are they doing? Why did you make the... Why do you have other stuff in between? There was an advert for the Legends Smack uh, for the Legends Raw as well, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, there was a lot of there was a lot yeah. of padding. In, but also in Charlotte Flair's entrance. Yeah. Which yeah. for me was like, oh, okay. That's so crazy. Getting, just getting the walk-on yeah. role here. Yeah. Um, but yes, then it was Nia Jax versus uh, Charlotte. Charlotte was dominating Nia Jax to start with uh, before she eventually came back. She reversed the figure four, came back and started working her over. Um, co- commentary said after she did that reversal, they said, there's a reason she's called the Irresistible Force. Do you want to tell me what it is? Because I don't know what you think irresistible means, but sure. Um pfft. After that, uh, match went on for a while with Jax working over Flair. Everyone on the outside got physical and got involved. Uh, and then Shayna locks in a Kirifuda clutch on Charlotte as she's locking in the figure four on Nia. DQ. Hey. Mm-hmm. It's a DQ finish. Uh, I don't know why Nia Jax can't lose here. Um, but I guess if they're, tr- if they're trying to build Nia and Shayna for a rematch for the women's tag titles, I guess they want to protect everyone involved. But why book the match in the first place? I think they uh, might chuck. I, might, I think they might chuck in a rematch like next week mm. or Legends Raw, or they might like try and they try and squeeze one in before the Royal Rumble, um, just for the sake of it. Uh, yeah, because of it, like yeah, because I don't think they'll. I doubt they'll feature any women's matches at the Rumble in in that case. Like, yeah. Hey, do you, do you remember that Asuka is the Raw Women's Champion? Oh. Yeah. If she so, is there's fourth fiddle in this little feud. Yeah. There, there is like, there's a proper like binary choice in WWE right now. It's either that your women's champion is important or the women's tag titles are important, but it can never be both. If mm-hmm. they're on the same brand, never both at the same time, unless you're Bailey and Sasha Banks and you can pull it off. It's not um, enough women, mate. That's the again. No. It's yeah, the rumble. The it's, the classic, it's the classic rumble conundrum. There's not enough women. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, 
I don't mind. I don't mind seeing another match between Charlotte Flair, Asuka, Nia Jax, and Baszler. Like, I I like them all in combination. I think they could all do really well. It's just, it just feels kind of lazy to go straight back into the the same thing again. Um, but hopefully, if it starts spooling out into Asuka and Charlotte having a sort of breakup after the Rumble or whatever it is, like, so we can do a Raw Women's Championship match at WrestleMania or whatever it's going to be, like. It will be fine. We're just in the early stages of building, so it just feels a little mm-hmm. feels a little lazy to do a DQ on Charlotte's first uh, proper big like you know we're in her yeah. return mode at the moment. Yeah, so bit of a shame. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, after that, we got uh, hurt business being mean to somebody backstage. Uh, Angel Garza then tried they to knock him out of that. He, he, was lying. <laughs> he, st- he fell he down and just stayed down, down for ages. Like he was too scared. He was just lying there just. Please walk over me. He's yeah. absolutely shocked into submission. Yeah. Uh, Angel Garza tried to hand Charlie Caruso a rose, but the 24th title, uh, 24-7 title picture came in and wrecked the rose. Uh, and then Garza just said, it's a thought that counts and gave her the rose. What's Angel Garza doing? Why is he mm. Why is he not being treated properly? Remember him in NXT? He was amazing. Yeah. Do you remember when you have too much time on your TV show and you just stick stuff in to fill yeah. it up? Yeah. Put, just put in another advert, I would have said. Just, yeah, exactly. Put another app break in. Why not? Put another video package. <laughs> I don't. I don't care. Uh, yeah. Uh, then we had yeah we had a, a promo in gorilla position with um, Jeff Hardy, Riddle, and the New Day. They were coming up with uh, names for their foursome, and Riddle had a couple of goofy ones like "positively hard bros." It could have been really goofy. I found it quite funny. I thought it it, it it rode that line quite well, and I thought it was quite endearing and funny. I think it helped with the fact that um, Woods and Kingston were there because they're very funny and bounced off it quite mm. naturalistically. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought it was okay. Uh, and then they all made their entrance and had a eight-man tag match against the Hurt Business. I enjoyed them saying also that they can't wait till they see uh, they get they want to get their titles back so they can have that sort of trio uh picture with biggie where they tentatively touch tips that was yes. good <laughs> yeah. uh, nice. yeah. great fun i also enjoyed the the new day lads doing the uh doing hardy's entrance for ages <laughs> more and more yeah. like more and more team extreme as it went on that was really fun and also this match was great this was mm. a really fun main event with all four guys like kofi gets this amazing hot tag in the middle of it and then xavier uh gets a tag off that and comes in and does like all these crazy moves um, and does his like does a sort of slingshot in the ropes and Hardy dives off the top and then Xavier hits a big uh, clothesline that was called out as a big Harper clothesline. It was the discus clothesline um, and then Hardy hits a swanton bomb into the ring and actually is already there. Like this is the that was the only point of the match. I was like, ah, oh, this is the only like miscue for me was that they they did all this crazy run of stuff and Hardy hits the swanton bomb. It's like it's just about to finish and Lashley rather than being too late for his cue, was way too early for his cue. <laughs> like, Hardy hadn't even, put the, hadn't even hooked the leg yet and Lashley was breaking up the pin. And it was like, ah, oh, this was that would have been a brilliant close two with Lashley right? just running it at that last moment. Um, and then that's when it did that. They did. There was a couple of really big, like, breakdowns, everyone hitting all their moves. And I think this was the best one where, like, everyone came in and Shelton Benjamin hits this, like, step up high knee in the ropes, turns around into a twist of fate. But Alexander runs back into the ring and tags in Lashley, who just walks up behind Hardy and locks in the Hurt Lock. And that's the end of it. This was really good. The really, really fun main event had the least build of anything on the show. 
um, literally had the build of the foursome discussed what name they wanted to call their team and the new day, uh, sorry, and the Hurt Business scared a guy. But I, I enjoyed I enjoyed mm-hmm. the match much more than I, like, I enjoyed, it made more sense to me and was more enjoyable than a lot of the other stuff on this show, which did have some good wrestling, but I think ultimately suffered a little bit from seasonal sort of wind down mode, which yeah. is a shame. Because like I said, I think, I think if you're doing a holiday episode, Kung Fu Panda's on TV, you've got to try and hold my interest for three hours because yeah. I do just want to watch the pandas. Absolutely, yeah. Who doesn't? Um, I also quite liked a uh, little bit in this match where Woods did the discus clothesline, Brody Lee's discus clothesline, which I mm-hmm. thought was a nice little touch. Um, there were a couple of other references uh, to him throughout the show as well, which was very well done, I thought, very tasteful. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm quite a big fan of the fact that Lashley tapped out Hardy, who was just, you know, feuding for the Intercontinental Championships, quite a big, a big win for Lashley, as it were. Uh, Riddle then got a little sneak attack, a little fl- uh, final flash knee at the very end, which seems to start off their United States title picture that has uh, been supposedly going for Royal Rumble, but might happen a bit sooner, um, which I'm I'm for. I think that could be a really fun um, feud. I think both of those are uh, pretty gifted in the ring. So that could be a very good match if they're if it's done properly. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah, Lashley, like announced said, himself, Lashley announced himself for the Royal Rumble as well. He did. And they had they had a spot in the match in which it took all four members of the other team in order to knock Lashley over the top rope. So yeah. it seems to me, like with the win under Lashley's belt as well, that they are building him to be a big part of the rumble. Yes. That's yeah. that's what I would infer from that, which well, I think is cool. Like I, I could I could really see a Bobby Lashley kind of drop the belt to riddle and end up on a collision course with Drew McIntyre. That yeah. would be very interesting to me. I, I would really like that. Their match was really good. And now you have yeah. the addition of the Hurt Business getting in. Like, Because at the time, it was only MVP, I think. And Lana got involved in the match, and it was a bit weird. Um, but now you've gotten rid of the whole Lana stuff. You just have the whole Hurt Business dynamic, too. I think it could be yeah, a really, really good match. Um, but I don't know if I'd want to see him win the Rumble. Maybe I would. I don't know. I think I will. I think I will. What's hot, and I think the Hurt Business have been one of the breakout acts of this year, and they really are money on television. I think. They, I think. I think they're fantastic. They like, you know, that this this one match proved that they're between the foursome. There is some really great chemistry between. You've just got a mix of styles here. You've got that kind of like the wily character of. MVP who's just cunning but also is going to wind people up by getting out of the ring and laying down next to you when there's a count out happening you've got Cedric's um quickness you've got Shelton who has like can almost match Cedric I think in terms of that but also just has this strength and power and agility and then you've got Lashley who is just a muscle like they I think they're 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 a perfect combination of guys and having having the other lot around him as to become WWE champion is a direction I don't think WWE may be considering right now, but could be one of the better choices to make, I think, if you're going to make Drew McIntyre drop the belt. I, I really do yeah. think like Bobby Lashley, WWE champion with the Hurt Business, could produce some really, really interesting main event storylines for the next six months. Mm-hmm. absolutely i'm with you and maybe if he drops the u.s title maybe mvp can pick it up and then you have you know all four of them holding the gold you know that could be mm. a, that, that's just if you want to talk about visuals going in in uh promo video packages those four holding up all the titles is going to definitely going to be one of those mm-hmm. uh, but yeah after that we got uh miz getting his money in the bank contract back uh that we've already spoken about and then it was the alexa bliss randy Orton stuff to end the show so overall i thought this was um I thought it was a good show. 
I thought it was it was it was solid. It was it built on a couple of stories. Nothing was overly amazing, I didn't think, but nothing was overly terrible either. Everything was just kind of in that middle bracket of like bad to good. And and that was it. Nothing was outstanding. Some stuff mm. was pretty good, like the the match we just spoke about, the eight man tag match. But yeah, n- nothing I don't think was ever truly like, you know, other end of the spectrum. So by raw standards, that's better than it has been. So good. Three out of four, I guess. Yeah. I'd say, yeah, I, it, to me, enjoyable. It was it was an enjoyable show that it did. It didn't make me desperate to watch next week's. And I think that's always the kind of telling thing about TV is, you know, especially wrestling is like, am I desperate to watch next week's show from what happened this week? Not necessarily. Like I'm, I'm looking forward to. Like I think they actually undid some hard work they've already done with the Keith Lee and Drew McIntyre stuff by giving the giving Miz the briefcase right at the end. That maybe could have been a revelation that we saved for next week if that's what we wanted to do. Like make it a surprise that Miz gets the briefcase back just before the match, and then suddenly here's this threat. Like instead, it just makes me feel like that's a foregone conclusion. I think the thing they tried really hard to get people to watch next week using Randy and Alexa to be like. Did he kill Alexa Bliss uh, as a who shot Mr. Burns type thing? It's not going to make me watch episode two necessarily because I feel like we should already know the answer. doesn't necessarily work as a TV thing. And yeah, the the I think the standout moment of the show was this main event match. And yet that didn't, that doesn't say anything about next week or make you want to watch. It doesn't necessarily advance too much of a storyline beyond Riddle and Lashley, maybe Lashley in the Rumble. There's a lot that we have, but we're having to dig into it to try and scoop out the bits that we think are going to be a story. So yeah, I don't know. I I liked it, but I could take or leave. Yeah, exactly. If if it was out of five, it would be a three. But as it's out of four, it's like a low three. Does that make sense? Yeah, one of those. Uh, let's get into the rest of your ultra chats here. We've got one here from Scott Young that says, does WWE not know that SmackDown's in the same arena? Will SmackDown start with Alexa's corpse in the ring? Hmm. It should, I think. <laughs> that's that's the way to keep continuity. Oh, he did burn her, by the way. She's dead. And you just have her corpse in the ring at the start of SmackDown. Great, lovely. Uh, got one here from Amro. Someone just sweeping up Ash. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, Amrose says uh, they would look stupid uh, if next week's show didn't open with a conclusion to this angle not only for the fans but also for investors maybe this is their way of trying new things effing hate it too though yeah Yeah. I just I I think it I don't know like WWE almost just seems so it's kind of it's obvious and like it's a juvenile idea of what adult content is like Mm. I think like TV shows that are usually for adults have some sort of complication to them that it isn't just about, oh, someone's going to get burned alive. Yeah, sure. Like Sons of Anarchy burned a few people alive in, in the course of its many, many seasons, but it was the interpersonal relationships, I think, and the complexity of the political structure of the thing that made it the adult show that it was. It wasn't just that people got shot all the time. Uh, and yeah, it feels like a dumb lurch towards it's adult content it we're still stuck in the 90s we're still stuck in like jerry springer like get your boobs out and we'll give you some beads or whatever it is adult content it's crazy you'll go off the rails like they need to advance their idea of what grown-up stuff is 
Agreed, 100%. Uh, moving on to some uh, a couple about uh, Miz and the Money in the Bank. Kevin uh, uh, Ultra Chats in to say uh, one of my Ultra Chats made it. Uh, oh, sorry, one of my Super Chats back when we had those made it onto the best of Wrestle Talk of 2020. Speaking of best of Wrestle Talk 2020, it's on Wrestle Two. It's a big hour long compilation of the best bits of the year. Also, there might be some best of Quizlemania highlights that has already gone live, so you can watch that too on Wrestle Two. Um, as he was saying, made it into the best of Wrestle Talk 2020, one of his super chats. And of course, it had to be the one where I say, screw AEW. Yikes. <laughs> Anyways, Miz having the money in the bank briefcase is really bad. Why did it feel like they had to give it back to him? This company. Yeah, it was it was a really anticlimactic way to do it as well. If they were going to give it back to him, I would have much preferred they'd have done it, one, in the ring, and two, with a bit of like stakes behind it and a bit yeah. more back and forth instead of Adam Pierce, who's definitely not the GM, by the way, him coming in and just going like, here you go. And then that yeah, because also they played up this idea that Adam Pierce doesn't really like them, but it's given them mm-hmm. it back anyway because it's a technicality. So like, this is why you like you kind of do need somebody in charge to some degree. Like, I'm not saying no more authority figures. I'm what I'm saying is like you you at least need somebody who's going to be there to say like, hey, look, I don't want to give you this, but you have made a fair point. Technically, we're not supposed to do that. But if you can win this match, then yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Like, do instead of just giving it back to them and being like, "This is all just left open." I, you just, you just need more, and it just, it does just feel like doubling down on the idea that people hated the idea of Miz with a briefcase in the first place. They didn't want to see him as the champion. The stories come out that they didn't have any any idea of what they were going to do with it. So WWE went naturally. We'll stick with that. Yes, we'll stick with not having any idea. Um, Mayor of Painsville, Dan, comes in with a great suggestion saying, I feel like Miz will fail and get beaten up by the Legends for a great end visual with Miz beaten down and Drew lifting up the title with the Legends behind him. Stay positive, lads. I could totally see that happening. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. If it's Legends night, someone's getting beaten up. Why not, Miz? Your money in the bank holder. Why not? Am I right? Mm. this company could um, be a joke yeah shouldn't have, gone, uh, shouldn't have gone to otis shouldn't have gone to miz 100 agreed uh got a couple about the women's division here matthew robinson says i hope rumble season will help the women's division uh because the naya charlotte uh and Shayna stuff needs uh to have more time and could be amazing then wwe gets involved and charlotte doesn't win the rumble but beats Asuka a week before wrestlemania what do you think <laughs> imagine mm. that charlotte doesn't win the rumble week before mania just beats Asuka anyway Oh, I can see that happening. Yeah, totally. <laughs> depends yeah, on who wins, depends then on who wins the rumble and whether or not they look good next to a blonde. Yeah, 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 mm. totally. Um, another one from Matthew Robinson said the fact that they have uh, Shayna and Bianca for over a year and have done nothing with them shame because it's only about the four horsewomen. Uh, yeah, to a degree, and Asuka sometimes, but also not sometimes. Asuka's, Asuka was a cheap stand-in for. Yeah. that was it this this is their problem is they don't they don't have any idea how to build more than two women at once because they don't want to they don't want to dedicate the tv time to it for some reason and yet they still always have another match they've, mm-hmm. they've somehow managed to have two segments using the same four women essentially on today's on last night's show but they don't have time to build new stars and it's like if you gave that other match that dana brooke and Shayna Baszler had to somebody else you could have started building some people so that when exactly. if anyone goes injured or pregnant or whatever it is, you got someone to be a backup there. It's a it's a shame. It is a real shame because yeah, they have they WWE has the best feeding ground for 
female talent in wrestling Mm-hmm. In terms of NXT, NXT has the best women's division on the planet right now, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and yeah, every time they go out to the main roster, they just get lost in the shuffle because WWE is only focused on the four from five years ago. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, we got a few about Raw here. Matthew Robinson again says, uh, for me, the AJ Elias and Retribution Ricochet felt like the most boring parts of Raw. Actually, like the Nia Charlotte um, story works for the moment. Um, yeah, I mean, I... I yeah, I wasn't too into the AJ Elias stuff. I liked parts of the Retribution Ricochet stuff, but I actually wasn't that into the Nia Charlotte stuff either. So there were some other bits that I'd, I much rather would watch, like the main event, eight-man tag. Um, Jonathan Barfield says, uh, shout out to Bobby Lashley, who seems to be the only person outside of the Marvel Cinematic Universe to figure out time travel. He said he'll win next year's Rumble to go on and compete at this year's WrestleMania. My God, Bob is a genius. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's amazing. Thank you for that one, Jonathan Barfield. Uh, Shardul Shankar says uh, Ricochet will be called Pew Pew in Retribution. <laughs> Please don't. Oh, I like Please it. Don't. I'm into it. I'm not. Uh, Matthew Robinson. But also, says, if Ricochet uh, join, if Ricochet joins Retribution and gets to keep his name, mm-hmm. can't we just go back to? Can't all the other guys just? change their names back. I mean, Mustafa Ali is still Mustafa Ali. So he gets to keep his name. Well, he's actually Mustafa Ali now, isn't he? Rather than they've changed sure. the pronunciation slightly. Yeah, I um, bet they have. Um, Matthew Robinson says, I think I solved the raw problem. Have longer commercials so that three, ha- three hours has less TV time so that the stories don't feel like they're pushing to fill time. Then USA Network makes more money, more money for WWE, and we get a slimmer show and everyone wins. Just make it two hours. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, you can have the three hours with more ad breaks and all that stuff, but if you're going to watch three hours of Raw to only watch one hour of Raw, that's hardly worth it. It's hardly worth your time. I don't think having more ad breaks is going to help the viewer. It would definitely help WWE and help USA Network. I don't think it will help the viewer because then you have a lot less time to fill in your segments because the ad breaks have to kind of be evenly spaced or like you said make them longer but then you have less time to actually do your story bits that you need the matches will Mm -hmm. go on for for ages if you have really long ad break in the middle or whatever it may be i i don't think it would help the viewership experience at all actually um just i think i think have let also or just have less stuff in the show don't keep bouncing Mm -hmm. around between segments and just make sure that some of the stories that you tell aren't the middle of a story that was had the beginning last week and have the ending next week. Some of the stories on the show could just have the beginning, the middle and the end on the show. And mm-hmm. then if you sew in amongst that, some beginnings of stories that will play out next week, you've got some hooks to get people to come back, like try and make each episode self-satisfying rather than exactly. constantly pushing people to watch next week so that you're only ever getting like half a payoff all the time. Yes. Totally. You need to have stuff that will entice people for next week, but you should also leave them with a satisfying episode rather than, you know, I hate that in, in when you're watching TV shows and he goes, oh, is this thing going to happen? Is this going to happen? Find out next week whether this thing happens. Like, can we know now, please? It's the point of the the whole episodes, you know, been building up to it or whatever. Um, yeah, it's a great tr- it's a great it's a great trick every so often. But w- it's WWE's only trick. Uh, yeah. Yes, exactly. Yes. Um, we got some here about uh, Brody Lee, of course. Uh, Charles Berg says, normally I try and say a funny thing to get a laugh, but today is different. If you'd be able to quantify somebody, uh, if you'd be able to quantify somebody's worth, I think you do it by seeing how they impacted others in their life. With that knowledge, John Huber's value is immeasurable. RIP. I agree wholeheartedly. 
Um, yeah, I think um, I don't. I don't think we've seen a response quite like this in terms of no. uh, wrestling death uh, at any point. Like he clearly was just a fantastic bloke, and it is a real, a real shame and a real tragedy. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, uh, Carol One says, uh, "Hi, Laurie and Pete. What a long and sad five days it's been. Hope you all had a great Christmas and Boxing Day. Just wanted to post my condolences to the great Brody Lee. He's a man that will be missed, as his presence was always a joy to watch. R.I.P. John Huber. I agree. Again, uh, Matthew Robinson says, "Thank you, Laurie, for the Brody Lee news video. It was emotional and great for such a terrible situation. Agreed. I thought that Thank was you. a very good news video." Uh, Brett J. Rasmussen says, I absolutely love Xavier Woods bringing up Brody Lee and honoring him on Raw Talk. And I love that the opening line from Drew was, It's Monday, you know what that means. It shows how much Brody meant to the WWE roster. Agreed again. Yes, I thought they were very good touches. I, I think, yeah, like you said in the news, like it's, it is a rare situation in 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 wrestling to have someone, one, so young, two, working for a rival company. And three, having only just left the roster and having basically worked with so many people there, that yeah, this this does just hit different for I think everyone in in that feeling of like it feels kind of like maybe all wrestling should have stopped this week and we should just be doing, you know, everyone wants to have something to say about him because he he clearly made an impact on literally everyone from mm. the looks of it, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah um nate s says uh hey guys i don't think i've been this affected by news of someone i've never met passing it's strange but i guess it goes to show the impact Brody lee had on the wrestling world and how great a person he was good job on the tribute on the news for him yeah i agree yeah I, it, it's it's affected me a lot more than i thought it would um just having the, this loss and just seeing you know that just the the outpour of emotion that everyone has had uh since the passing just on online and and such has just been crazy good um so yeah it's, it's really like you said it's hitting different this one um but let's move on to something a bit more positive let's go on with the um just general wrestle talk uh ultra chat zach robinson's afternoon guys a belated merry christmas to all the wrestle talk and extended pfk phenomenons fam uh where's wrestle too uh loved your christmas special the group email had me in stitches wishing you all nothing but the best for 2021 hashtag how many reindeers were there <laughs> Yes, that email was quite something. Uh, mm. That email also was a message I had to send to my mum. Uh, uh, Crazy Lewis said, uh, thanks for the for the feature on the Christmas special, guys. Nice to see I made my Hawk TV debut before Liam Winnard. Nice. Uh, I'll have to show what is on my shelf sometime. Bible thump. Don't use Twitch emotes here, Lewis. I, I <laughs> see your, your terrible emotes um yes thank you for being on the the wrestle talk uh uh christmas special sending in your um swift nation video we appreciate you um just no yes said just want to say thank you for uh giving great content during christmas really help me out uh during celebrating alone take care and thank you again p.s laurie should have won laurie should have won what i don't know i was, I was robbed Laurie should have won. Sure. Uh, Matthew Robinson said... Whatever it uh, was, it was a conspiracy. Yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, Matthew Robinson said, So happy to see Pete and Laurie in a live stream. I think Luke and Ollie are hogging up all the time to interact with fans because all the other streams are pre-taped. I think you both should rise up with Andy and demand your place. Meh. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> sounds, 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 like, sounds like effort, guys. It means I get to record it, you know, end of the morning. Oh, it just saves so much time. Don't have to wait around to drink. Pack it all up. 
yeah i i mean yeah i'd like to do live streams again at some point maybe maybe we'll make smackdown live at some point who knows uh matthew robinson said uh pete so you started as laurie's sidekick and now you're ollie's sidekick i predict 2021 you break away and become your own man at wrestle talk maybe try to take over with the rest of the wrestle talk people like louie and andy i will never join signs with louie and andy and also i'm nobody's sidekick i was created in el fakador's image that's a very different thing i promise mm. Yeah. Be your own man. You. Nah. Nah. Probably won't happen. I mean, why would I even want to break away from Mr. Davis anyway? He's great. Um, Definitely not the imposter said, I've tried donating seven times. It's not worked. Hopefully it works this time. Please, Pete. I'm not going to yell what you put, but thanks for putting it anyway. Cheers. And last last Ultra Chat got here. Uh, it says, uh, surely Charlotte has influence backstage and should use it to help other stars. She's already a solid star with literally nothing else to accomplish. Personally, I think she should have said no to replacing Lana and no to beating Rhea. She's being selfish. I, I don't, I get like, you know, you don't get, you don't necessarily get anywhere from making these spaces in, in WWE. And also I think probably that I, I I wouldn't say it's probably as cynical as that. I think probably they're coming to her and saying, we need you to do this. And I think a lot of people have a lot of loyalty to WWE misplaced or otherwise. Uh, and she probably thinks that when they're saying we need you to come and do this stuff, she's, she's fulfilling that role. It's like, that's the same as the undertaker had for much of his career of that, like fierce, fierce loyalty to the company. And if they called him up and said, we need you for a match, he'd drop everything and do the match because he felt like he owed them. Um, yeah. it's, you know, it's the same as AJ Styles will always back the company he works for. Cause that's just the way he is. And I think maybe that's a way to look at it with Charlotte that, that maybe, you know, a slightly less cynical way of looking at it because I think it's very easy to just say like she probably just wants to be the best she probably wants to be featured in all the main events and stuff it's like sure she does but yeah she she's being told that she's the one to save the women's division and save Raw or whatever and why wouldn't you yeah. turn up and do that exactly yeah I mean if you were given the opportunity to be like hey we want you to be the top champion we want you to hold these titles you're, you're going to be featured heavily in the Royal Rumble and we'll give you a big Wrestlemania program are you going to go nah well, of course yeah. you're going to say yes. It's the same thing as why Roman was on top for so long. If someone said, oh, you're going to beat Triple H at WrestleMania 32 for the WWE Championship, you go, yeah, right. Are you going to say no? It's, to that? Like, it's not necessarily their fault that it doesn't work either. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? It's not, it's not necessarily their fault that they go, okay, well, that didn't work, so we'll have to do it again, mm. which is what keeps happening. And I think as far as like Charlotte has, you know, done... In in her own in her own way of like winning the NXT title, that was meant to be going down to the lower viewed company and, and bringing that up and that was a failed idea but it's not charlotte's fault that the idea failed necessarily it's yeah. just she was just trying to, to to do her bit and that was kind of her giving back yeah i would i would like to see her kind of put someone over maybe a bit more like i think a rhea ripley uh yeah. rematch on the, yes. some at some point could be the way to do that i'd really like to see that um but yes. yeah like, it Me took it, look how long it took john cena to put over bray wyatt let's put it that way <laughs> wrestling's not in the business of really top level people putting over other yeah. randoms yeah true so I have an email here mm-hmm. sorry uh, that might interest both of us actually uh, I got one here from Eli it says hello Pete 
specifically to me. What a nice guy. Uh, I'm emailing in because I may be joining a new D&D group. And although I've played before, I'm still not super familiar and I've not played a longer campaign. The DM says we're going to try just a level one to five campaign and leveling up is going to be event based or something along those lines. I was wondering, is there a character that's really good or suggested for just level one to five games? Or should I play something I want, even though it won't be long term? P.S. I watch a lot of how to play X character in D&D on YouTube, and I'm currently leaning towards Blade or Red Hood. Thank you in advance. Well, mm. I'd say personally, play what you want, because in my humble opinion, it's good to just have experience playing loads of different stuff, because then you know what you like and you don't like. And even because it's a shorter campaign, shortish, level one to five, it's actually more time to experiment with something that you might not like. So then you know, if you're doing something even longer in the future, you know not to play that thing. So I'd say just go crazy. Experiment with something. Go wacky. That would be my Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely about finding what you want to play and like whether you want to be like, think about what you, what you want your role to be in combat, whether you want to be frontline and you want to be like a paladin or a barbarian and something that's going to stand in the way and take hits. Do you want to be something that's going to... Uh, be the sort of second line of that that kind of enforcement and attacking from the sides or from the back like a ranger or a rogue do you want to be someone who stands at the back and uh fires off spells so you could be a wizard or a warlock or something like that although you can spec them also to be frontline fighters if you do want to but probably not at level one um and then you've also got things like that a bit more supporting like clerics which is more about or bards especially which is much more about like buffing the other members of your party so that when they do cool stuff you can claim that you did it. Yeah, that's, that's the case. And, and I think that's that's like that's that's what, and obviously that's only like one facet of the game to think about because I think combat's the thing that a lot of people sort of sink their hooks into because it's the most obviously game thing. And obviously, everyone I think everyone's it's kind of the reverse of what D and D used to be, which was the gateway into gaming. Mm-hmm. Gaming is now the gateway into D and D, so a lot of people sink their hooks into combat as the main thing to do. But think about it this way, like you might not even think combat's the fun thing to do. You might want to be a character that wants to get around combat. You might want to be a rogue and you might want to sneak in and you might want to steal stuff and you might want to be able to disguise yourself and trick people, um, which warlocks can do. Like, you know, you can charm people. You can uh, be a bard and inspire them in kind of conversation. There are all these other facets of the game. So I think it's thinking about what you want to achieve when you play and it, you know, like my group is quite good because it's it's like a real mix of people that some people really love the combat and some people really love the social side of the game where it's chatting to characters that you meet across the way or coming up with funny schemes that you're going to try and pull off um, just to make everyone else laugh and also just to get your kind of missions done. So I think it's that's the key. It's not like there's one good class to play. Um, there's no like one, you know, there's not even one OP class that's going to rinse through the game because they might be, if you spec a character that's going to be really good at combat, they're going to be naff at a lot of other stuff. Um, and you need that whole spectrum, just like in life, you need that entire spectrum of abilities to do stuff. Yeah, exactly. And I'd say, you know, that there might have been one or two classes that were on the weaker side, but with the introduction of uh, Tasha's Cauldron of everything there's some really good stuff in there that really balances out some of the weaker classes like rangers they're now really good um so yeah it's it's genuinely whatever you want to play and if you want to base a character off blade or something like that that sounds really fun if you think that'll be cool for you to experience and go ahead and make it and play it as long as your dm's okay with that kind of thing 
go ahead. Why you can be a vampire as well, so you know there is that. Mm. That's true. Yeah, uh, we do have uh, another email here. Thank you, Eli, for that one. Uh, just a quick one here, because as you may recall, Laurie, on the mm. Wrestle Talk Christmas special, which you should watch if you haven't yet, it's the worst. Um, we we had uh, a few videos from uh, members of the SWAF Nation that were sent in to us. Uh, one of them came in from Oscar. And we were debating whether he was driving or not while he sent it in, because we couldn't tell what seat he was sitting in and whether he was driving or not. He has clarified by emailing in to say, hey, WrestleTalk, I wanted to let you guys know I was driving in the video I sent, but it was on a one-way street going five miles an hour and no civilization around. I was careful, I swear. Oscar. Goodness oh, me, fine. I'm disappointed. No, I'm kidding. You're fine. <laughs> You're going to have to go on a speed awareness course with Randy and Captain. <laughs> yeah. Specifically that's with That's my sentence here with Randy, who has been on 70, I think. Yes. For the number of miles per hour he was supposed to be going. <laughs> oh, my God. It, it seems like every other week he's like, oh, I've got, got speed awareness courses. Like, have you ever considered slowing down? Mm. And you wouldn't need to take him. Problem solved, I think. Bloody Randy. I miss him. Uh, <laughs> um, what was I going to say? I was going to mention something about Christmas, but I can't remember what. How was your Christmas? Was it good? Yeah, it was good. It was, you know, a weird one, I think, for a lot of people, but I had fun. Uh, I also enjoyed the ability to stop Christmas at a certain day and just be like, Christmas is done now. Excellent. I'm going to go back to sitting on my sofa watching the telly. Mm-hmm. Good stuff yeah. all around. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my one was a bit weird. Um just because I'm I'm still currently at my parents. I went over there and tier four hit. And I was like, cool, guess I'm not leaving. So I'm I'm still here. Uh but it was cool. It was nice to be around my parents for once. I've I I mean I spent Christmas here last year as well. Uh but this one was just different, you know, with the whole year we've had. It's been a it's been a whole change because I haven't really seen them since August, I wanna say. I had a, a brief socially distanced visit. Um, at one point and then before that I hadn't seen him since probably last Christmas so it's been like you know it's been not, not an awful lot of contact but it was nice to just to hang out and I think I'm turning them into board gamers Laurie because mm. I bought I bought Ticket to Ride because that's a fun game that we could all play mm-hmm. and we played it once and now we've played it four times in the space of Ooh. about four days yeah Very good stuff. they bloody love that game and I'm still fuming because I haven't bloody won yet. I'm so mad. The first, My dad won three on the trot, right? And then in the fourth game, he got confused on one of the rules, one of the basic rules of Ticket to Ride. And I was like, how have you won three games when you don't even understand the rules? And then in the fourth game, I got one of the highest scores that any of us had got in any of the games, and my mum got higher. So I still didn't even win. I'm there you so go. Mad. I was so mad. Some people just oh. have a natural talent, Pete. Apparently. We played, we played Scrawl at Christmas, which is Scroll. the so Scrawl is like Pictionary. You get you get given a you get given a phrase and you draw it. And then you pass what you're you pass your drawing on, but not the phrase. Gotcha. And the next person writes what they think you've drawn and it goes all oh, the way around. Oh, that's like um uh, what's it called? Telestrations? Is that what it's Yeah, it's basically like telestrations, yeah. yeah. But it's it's meant to be ruder. So uh nice. we, a very good one was my uh, my girlfriend's very innocent mum uh, saying, well, mine was dry humping. 
uh, and uh, and then going through of like, so I drew. She was like, she drew the sun, and then drew mm-hmm. a little hump, and then a ping, uh, and was like, that's it. And I was, but she put like not rain, and I was like, something not sunshine over rain because it looked like a graph, and then it yeah. somehow went all the way around. And I was like, and there were two little mushrooms, and she was like, and someone's drawn two touches. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant game, wonderful game. Other other brilliant one was uh, yeah, um, it was started off as uh, the grave of uh, the grave of an uh, no funeral for someone for an unloved person. Mm -hmm. It went round, and uh, someone in to try and illustrate an unloved person did like a newspaper uh, with Hitler on it to be like he's probably the most the most obviously unloved person mm-hmm. ever and then so during the game my girlfriend's mum goes like can i google the spelling of something and we we're like yeah that's fine if you're just going to write it down and so then i received the card that says mein Kampf, don't i <laughs> <laughs> oh boy but to ask to google the spelling to be like it's that's obviously amazing. mein Kampf. Obviously, <laughs> has to be. Can't be any other answers. Great game, oh, great game. Yeah, no, it sounds it. That's great. Um, but yeah, but my, my I've, I've been stunned genuinely at how much my parents have been like, "Oh, do you want to play a game?" It's like, since yeah. when did you become avid gamers? Like, Christ. So I'm hoping find the I one, can you've got to find the one that, that clicks. I know. Your feet and it's, yeah, it's trains. It's trains. It's trains. It's trains that do it. I tell you what, have you seen Adam's sketch video that he did on Phenomena? It's about playing board games with your family. No, Pete, I haven't engaged you in any of our content over Christmas. <laughs> you should, because now, now I can't tell the story I want to. But I'm on holiday. Yeah, I know. Um, but the, the characters he played in that for the mum and dad characters are like really shockingly close to how my parents actually are, to the point where a, a mock joke that the dad character said, my dad has now taken and included as part of his actual repertoire of jokes. It's the worst. <laughs> Every time we get our tickets to ride, which goes, oh, all aboard. Like, Shut up, Dad. Jesus Christ. That's the worst. Where do they keep these little... Do you think Dads have a little notebook of <laughs> crap jokes that they've heard? <laughs> he must do, yeah. Because my dad... We banned my dad from doing dad jokes on Zoom calls amongst our family, and now he doesn't talk. <laughs> doesn't have anything else to say. <laughs> doesn't have anything else to say. Right. And you can see oh, him, like, man. straining <laughs> to, like... Yeah. Veins going in his forehead. The yeah, exactly. Time. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, yeah, families yeah. at Christmas. Am I right, guys? Anyway, uh, on that note, thank you very much for listening uh, to the Russell Talk podcast. We'll be back. Uh, believe it. Is it me and you again on Thursday? It's not me. Is it, not you, is it? Is it me oh, and Luke? I think it's you. It's and me. Luke. It's me and someone doing the AEW podcast uh, on Thursday. So yeah, stay tuned for that, and then we'll be back on. Saturday will be me and Andy back to normal doing the SmackDown podcast. And then we're back normally into the swing of things going into 2021. So thank you very much for listening, everyone. We love you very much. Stay safe. Take care of each other. Goodbye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.